0: And just uh, just pray for you, John, this morning. Um, so, yeah, Father, thank you for John's um, obedience in stepping forward and sharing your word this morning. Um, Father, I pray your words and your um, yeah, what you want to say to us this morning just flows out of uh, John's mouth this morning, and open our hearts to hear what it is you want to say to us. Amen. Thank you, Steph. You can hear me. That's good. That's good. Right, I've got a little uh, small exercise I'm going to do first. So um, whilst I'm doing this, it won't take very long, I'm just going to pass, uh, you, know, might, you can have one of these. Please do not open these until later when I instruct you. One for you. Would you like one? Thank you very much. This man doesn't want one, but he's going to get one anyway. Here we go. Oh, excuse me. I can still hop. one for you. My friend here, one for you for you. Go on, you can have one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one for Shawnee as well. There we go, Sharni. I'll pop it on you. Yeah, thank you. Right. What I'd like you to do is hold your hand out like this. With the other hand, not so easy when you've got a microphone in your hand, pinch your skin. And then look at how quickly it goes back into shape. Now, one of the sad things I notice as I get a bit older Is that my skin does not return to its old shape quite as fast as it used to? You've been looking at me, have you? Thanks, Chris. (laughs) I didn't know he looked at me so much, but uh, no. But it's it's one of those strange things, isn't it? And so my talk this morning is how supple is your skin? So it's uh, it's a very important, very uh, spiritual talk, obviously. Um, But the interesting thing is that there is a a relationship between how supple your skin is as you get older and us as Christians as we get older as Christians, if we're not careful. Because our skin may not be as supple as it once was. So, there we go. That's just a little intro. But it's great to be here, isn't it? Fantastic to have so many of my family um, here for this wonderful dedication and everybody else who's here And um, you know, I just echo those words uh, of everybody really who spoke this morning about how important it is for us as a wider body uh, of people to to actually help parents with their children, because we are living in different days. You know, when I uh, grew up, I became a Christian when I was 16, and right, I stood out a bit because I was a bit different. But they probably might have said I was a bit different anyway. Um, But. Then my children, they grew up and it wasn't so easy, but they weren't so countercultural. But these children are growing up in a totally different time. You know, we really need, as the family of God, to support parents in this difficult age that we are living in and coming into. So our values, or the values that we live within, are moving further and further away from those helpful values that God has provided us through his word and through his son. And so our kids and these kids, grandkids or great-grandkids in my mum and dad's uh, case, they are going to be growing up in a world that is going further and further away from God's truth, all the things that will help them and not harm them. They're going to be moving into things that will harm them um, as the wisdom of the world uh, gets stronger and stronger. You know, we've actually been quite privileged in the UK and other parts of the West over the last few hundred years, our Christian experience in the main has been very unusual in the terms of church history because we haven't really suffered that much persecution. Individuals have, obviously, but generally Christian principles, Christian values, Christian morals have been accepted and they're enshrined in law And even people who didn't follow Jesus or didn't know Jesus or didn't want to do that and didn't want to be a Christian would have accepted in the past that actually Christian morality was good even if they didn't want to live like that. That is no longer the case. We're moving to an age where it's completely different. You know, we're in a time where the morals of the world uh, would look at Christian values and morals and they would say, you're a bigot. You know, when I was young, if you said, oh, he's a good Christian man or a good Christian woman, now you're a bigot because you have a view if you're a Bible-believing Christian that does not fit with the way the world is going. Self-sacrifice, which used to be seen as a virtue, would now be seen as oppression by people making you not do what you want to do. Our society is changing so fast. Absolute truth is now an anathema. How many of you have heard this phrase, which has come out in the last, I don't know, five years or so, of, and I find it i still, it's an oxymoron. But anyway, they say, someone has found their truth. Hands up if you've heard that. Yeah, it's it's amazing. You know, say someone is married for 20 years, has four kids, then they suddenly discover that they actually are more attracted to men. And then everybody else, oh, I'm so pleased he's found his truth. It's just incredible. I mean, it is an absolute lie from hell. Because truth is fixed. Otherwise, it isn't truth. There has to be truth. And what we live in now is lying to us. And we've got to be careful as Christians that we don't take some of this on board and actually soften what is true. It's not very politically correct. I realize that. We're also very subtly slipping back into paganism, by worshipping the created things rather than the creator. You know, and climate change, and it's a real issue, obviously, and all the pollution, the way we've screwed up the world and everything, you know, that's, that's not good. That's not what God intended. We're supposed to be good stewards of this world. But Satan is using it to get people to worship the created rather than the creator. So we're in a really changing and different place than we were 10, 15, 20 years ago. And so we really need to bless those with children, to support those with children, to encourage those with children, to stick to the truth, those values, the truth. That one doesn't change. It's not my truth, it's not their truth, it's the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if you imagine a sort of a clock face, a big round clock face with one arm on it. And as you look at that clock face, the left-hand side would say God's values, and then the right-hand side would say the world's values. Probably about 200 years ago, that needle or pointer would have been very much in God's values side of that needle. And then Darwinism happened, was it about 1860 roughly, something like that, wasn't it? And then there was a bit of a shift. That needle started to move upwards towards the centre line. Then we had World War I. The needle moved again. And there'd be lots of other things as well. These are just some big highlights. Then World War II, and it moved again. Then we had the sex, sexual revolution in the 60s, and it moved again. And abortion, and everything became legal, and, uh, and I know that's a whole hot potato to talk about, but this is just showing the indication of how values have shifted. We have laws now that are rescinding Christian-based laws and moving away from the truth of God's word more and more in this country and in the rest of the world and in the West. Do you know in Wales, children soon, there's a new education bill coming in, will actually be forced to learn things about sex and uh, partnerships and and actual details of sexual acts at a really inappropriate age. And do you know what else is happening? Is the rights of parents to withdraw their children, which was, everybody said, is going to be uh, kept, that right, from those lessons, is not going to be there anymore. And also, worse than that, and something else that they've backtracked on, they said that, of course, we'll let you know what we're going to be teaching them, they've also now in this new law taken that right away. So, I know there's lots of talks about all of this stuff, but all I'm trying to do is show you how this is like a pendulum. So what happens is with a pendulum, because there's sort of a bit of gravity there, as, it's, as it moves, it slowly moves at the top and then it starts to pick up speed, it starts to pick up speed, it starts to pick up speed and it swings faster and faster. And we're in that process. I don't know where we are in that process, how far, but you can see that the world and our culture is changing at an incredibly rapid rate. You know, this is really current stuff. This is only a few months old. But you could not have imagined that ten years ago, let alone when I was young, which is considerably more than ten years ago. So I think, actually, because the church, the true church, is going to stick out like a sore thumb now, I think that we're going to move in the UK into a time more like the rest of church history where normally with God's power, with his love, with his salvation, comes persecution. Look what the early church had to suffer. Look what the church in India is suffering now and all around the world, China. That's the norm. We've been living in a culture that has not experienced that norm. But I think we're moving to a place where it's going to begin to happen more and more. So beware that it's not an easy option to be a Christian in these days but the beautiful thing is that people's hearts are softening more than I've ever seen before in my life the fields, he says about the fields being ready for the harvest, doesn't it and I believe we are coming to a time not only where persecution will come more and more but we will see salvation and God's kingdom grow more and more as well really exciting times but difficult times as well I was joking with Chris on the phone there a little while ago about how long it will be before they throw us in prison. And then we said, but we'll start an alpha course when we get to prison, Chris said. So, uh, <coughs> you know, it's, uh, it is changing so rapidly. And, and even non-Christians say, something's going on in the world. Something's wrong. I don't know what's going on. But, I, you know, this stuff. And that's why all these conspiracy theories come up, I think. It's because it's just like, what's going on? I know something's going on. And many of the recent speakers that we've had, you know, we've had the privilege of some great speakers recently, and Chris, sorry, no, no, including Chris, <laughs> um, have said they believe we're in the end times. Now, I know that people say, yeah, yeah, but everybody's been saying that since the beginning of the church and expecting Jesus to come back. But I personally believe, and if you look at it, and if you have a look at um, the first slide of the scripture, please, we know from Scripture that we're never going to know the day and time. Even Jesus himself does not know that. It says in Matthew 24 and verse 36. So if anyone does give you a date, hello, Imogen, um, that's saying that you know Jesus is coming back or the end of the world is happening on this date, they're either deceived or they're lying because the Bible tells us only God the Father knows the date and time of Jesus' return. But the disciples... We're saying to him, when are you going to come? What's it going to be like? How are we going to know when you're coming back? And in Matthew 24, I'll start actually at verse 3, it says, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of birth pangs. And in Timothy, uh, another slide please, um, there's some more information about what it'll be like in those end times. And it says, but mark this, there'll be terrible times in the last days My own view is that what we're experiencing in recent years are the beginning of the birth pains. I know there'll be lots of people who disagree, and it's only my view. But we do know, if you look at lots of the hundreds of prophecies about Jesus' second coming in in the Scriptures, that we are definitely getting towards the end. When Israel became a nation in 1948, that was one of the key fulfilled prophecies. So we're in this strange time and I've depressed you all thoroughly now, haven't I? So I apologise about that because the amazing opportunity that we have uh, is equal to the pressure and in fact greater than the pressure and the pain that we're going to experience. The key is for you and me, getting back to our skin, is are you supple enough to cope with the changing world? Now, we need to fix on the truth of god's word absolutely we've got nothing else we can trust in only jesus and he is the word of god but we need to be flexible in adapting to what god is doing today and what he's going to do tomorrow you know everything we've gone through with covid um you know we've been shaken as a world haven't we now we've got ukraine and we've got um you know that isn't going to clean up quickly is it it's not like you know that's going to be years That's just before the fighting ends, probably. And then we've got all the consequences of that. You know, the high fuel prices, shortages of food. I believe these are birth pains. We need to be saying, what are you doing, God, now? Because his kingdom is always advancing. So what is it God is saying to you and to me and to us today You know, Satan means to harm, doesn't he? To kill, steal, and destroy. But, you know, what did Joseph say when his family came to him? and said, what Satan meant for harm, God meant for good. And God means all of this. He can turn anything around. Look at the cross. It looked awful. And he turned it around for good and changed the whole history. If I can have the first picture up, please. Thank you. Now, this... It's not a really dodgy leg of lamb. <laughs> it's not. It's actually an old wine skin, and it could just about cope with holding old wine, I suppose. But it's dry. It's probably crumbling a bit at the edges. Got creases in it, and it can only cope with old wine because old wine has completely finished its fermentation. Has no life in it really anymore. And ultimately, old wine does go off. And it becomes undrinkable, unusable. Actually, it's a bit like my face in the morning when I wake up. I'm going to start timing because you know when you wake up, sometimes you get a crease in your face, and you think because you lay on that side. It take. I'm going to start timing. How long does it take for that crease to disappear? I think. Um, but if if you put new wine, as you know, into an old skin, it will burst. Because new wine has life in it. It's not fully finished fermenting. So this wineskin needs to expand a bit. It needs to be flexible. It needs to be supple. And so the next picture is what I'd love my face to look like. Well, not quite. But that is a new wineskin. And you can see it's not dry. It's not crumbling. It's not cracked. It's soft. It's flexible. Able to take the new wine and carry it safely until it matures. So if God is doing something new, we need to get rid of our old wineskins. I believe he is. I don't think going back to the old ways of pre-COVID, even if they're really comfortable and nice, is what God is calling us to do. Mark 2, 21 and 22 says, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth onto an old garment Otherwise, a new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse, and no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. I'm going to be a bit bold and a bit rude now, and I apologize in advance. Well, I don't really apologize. I'm going to do it. So... <laughs> because we've lived in a culture that, for so many years, hundreds of years, have pretty much accepted Christian values... One of the downsides has made our churches, and that is us, pretty pathetic in many ways. We've become flabby, we've become complacent, we've wanted to fit in and not rock the boat. Totally unlike the early church, which was so countercultural and revolutionary, we became the establishment. The only other time that uh, that happened was when Constantine said it, it took it as the accepted. Uh, religion for, you know, for the Roman Empire and, and, it, and it killed what was going on in the early church then as well. It's one of Satan's tactics. So now even though we're coming to this more difficult time, if we can catch up with what God is saying and doing today and as long as we're not trying to fit that new wine into old wineskins because that will be a disaster, the wine will be wasted and we'll split in half, we need to know what God is doing today and i've been praying saying god what is have you got a prophetic word for my talk so i've been seeking god and you know i'm going to share in a minute what i think his prophetic word is for us today i just want to say something about chris and lyra i've only got a picture of chris but lyra should be on here if we can have the uh the first um picture there he is in all his glory chris and lyra have been just amazing examples for us this last decade you can see and know their heart for God, for us and for the lost. They're faithful, hardworking, full of the spirit of God and faithful and gifted leaders. So I said, God, what are you, you going to do now? You know, we, got, you know, we need uh, a new plan, a new change. What's, what's going to happen now? What do we want to be? And God gave me the answer. If I could have the next slide, please. And this is something that is only now um, available to us through cloning technology. <laughs> <clears throat> so this is God's word for today, keeping up with the times. God is going to clone Chris and Lyra so that the growth can continue. Because only, you know, if there's only one of them, you can't get very far. So uh, isn't he lovely? Yeah. So uh, maybe that's enough, I don't know. <laughs> <But> <laughs> no. Right for those of you who I gave a little note to, if you could open that up and then one by one shout out what it says. What well, this is—this is really what God gave me as His plan. It's me. It's you. It's, me. it's you. It's, me. it's you. It's me. it's me, and you. Yeah, absolutely. So God's plan is exactly the same plan He's always had, which is His church. But what's happened over the I don't know how long it is, we as a congregation, as churchgoers, church members, whatever you want to describe us as, have let and this is this is the challenge a bit rude, where we have got a bit flabby and a bit pathetic, is we've let the leaders and we've looked to leaders like Chris and Lyra as our inspiration and thought, if only we had more of them, then everything would be amazing as opposed to looking at you, yourself in the mirror after your crease has gone. Because the Holy Spirit of God, if you're a Christian, lives in you. It's the same spirit Chris has, same spirit that Lyra has. It's no different. We've been looking at them and other leaders, but I think that is changing. I think that we're coming to a time where we're not going to be looking to leaders, and actually the true body of Christ, it's you and me, or it's me, as you heard, are going to stand up, have to stand up. We have a choice always, but that is our choice. So as the church grows in these really new times, we need to repent, which means to turn around from our old ways as individuals and as congregations. Some leaders don't let churches grow. We've been so blessed here. Some leaders control everything. They want to control everything. We need to repent and get rid of that old wineskin. You know, Chris has been talking about the connect groups and going sort of far and wide, you know? And that is the time that we're living in. And that means you and I have got to step up. We need to be hearing from God ourselves. How many of us in the past have had something they believe comes from God and then we've said, oh, I must tell Chris or some of the leaders or the elders, God's told me we should be doing this. I've done it in the past. And the leaders go oh, okay, I see another one on the list. And then some people even get a bit upset when they don't do it. Have any of you ever done that? Have you said, oh, you know, I think uh, God has told me that the church should be doing this. You are the church. The church is you and me. It's me. Stop passing the buck, basically. If God's revealed it to you, there's a very strong likelihood, unless it's a specific word for somebody or something, that it's you He wants to do something about it. Why would he tell you to go and tell someone else? He can then tell someone else to do it. Doesn't make sense, does it, really, when you think about it. So we're in a new age. Not the new age. We need to be in a place where you and I are seeking God. If we hear from him, get on and do it. But... I would say this, the, re- the role of the leaders is for us to say, hey Chris, hey Lyra, hey Phil, whatever it is, I think God's told me doing this, so we're going to try and get on and do it. Go to them, and then at least it gives the leaders the opportunity to say, oh, that's fantastic, because we're doing this, and that will fit in perfectly with that. Or, uh, oh, if you can just wait a while, because then it will be the perfect timing. Or, if it's in my case, you might say, you're bonkers, no, you're not doing that. And that's And that's fine. That's their role. It's not their role to then hear from God, to do it, to organise it, set up a team to do it. The church cannot grow in these times where it may become more difficult to meet like this in years to come. We might have to be in small groups, you know, sort of uh, more isolated. So we're really respecting our leaders' authority and going to them for guidance, but we're taking responsibility ourselves. So we must grow up in that. So... The wonderful thing, as I said before, the Holy Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, lives in you and me, if you're a Christian. All the power of the universe basically lives in you and me. That's quite a thought, isn't it, really? So when was the last time you prayed, Holy Spirit, what are you doing currently, and how do you want me to fit in with what you're doing? When was the last time you prayed a prayer a bit like that? It doesn't have to be verbatim. Often my prayer has been quite different. My prayer sometimes is more like, Holy Spirit, please come and bless what I'm doing. How about we try and catch up with what God is doing rather than getting him out of his kindness to bless what we do. Jesus is our perfect example. And the next slide from John 5 and verse 19 says this. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He can do only what He sees His Father doing, because whatever His Father does, the Son also does. The need for us to be in step with God has never been greater in this rapidly changing and potentially very short time that we have left. But be encouraged, because I think it's going to be the most exciting time of our lives if we choose to try and follow what God is up to. If we're willing to throw away our old wineskins and get a nice, soft wineskin that can take new wine and can be flexible and can move and can carry things to maturity in a proper way. That's my challenge for you and for me in this time. Because I don't think... That pendulum is going to slow down. Change is going to keep going. So we need to be able to react fast. We need to be listening all the time. God, because God knows what's happening. So we've got the source of, all no- source of all knowledge. We just say, Lord, what are you doing? How can I help? Uh, let that be our prayer. You know, and I just want to encourage um, any of you here who perhaps aren't Christians, anyone who's online or, or over at Rehoboth who, who don't, wouldn't call themselves committed Christians yet, And I just say that, you know, you can also have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, all the power in the universe can come and live in you too. And the Holy Spirit is also a guarantee from God, it says it's a deposit, guaranteeing your eternal future with God. What an amazing promise. So you can know that when you leave this life, you are going to be with God forever. Every single one of us has sinned and fallen short of God's standards. Every single one of us, even Chris and Lyra, even though they're a great example to us. We cannot meet God's perfect standard. And The trouble is that's called sin, and that gets in the way of our relationship with God because he can't come into contact with sin. And that's the whole reason that we need to be saved. Because otherwise, if we're not in a relationship with God, if we don't accept the fact that God sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us, for you and me, if we don't accept what he's done, then we're going to have eternal separation from God. And you don't want that, because God is everything that is good. And the reason that God sent Jesus... To this world was to take the punishment that you and i deserve which is that eternal separation from god which is the result of sin the punishment for sin and he lived the perfect life that we can't you know never lied he never did anything that was wrong so that that barrier of sin that separates us from god could be removed And if we accept what he's done, then we can actually come and know God as our friend and be with him forever. So if you want this amazing gift of complete and total forgiveness of everything that you've ever done wrong, and ever will do wrong, the guarantee of an eternal future and the power to become the person that God always intended you to be, you can make a decision right now. It is not easy being a Christian in these days. We're like salmon going against the stream, you know? Culture's going one way, we're going another way. But if you'd like to start that journey, start a new life today, then uh, I'm going to say a prayer that you can echo as well. So if everybody could just shut their eyes and uh, bow their heads at this time and uh, if you're in Rehoboth or if you're online this is for you too if you don't know that you really know Jesus and you know that you are a Christian and that you have eternal life this is for you too okay only if you're serious because this is a life changing commitment to go from one way to a completely different way and following God following Jesus for the rest of your life but if you want to follow Jesus while every head is bowed and every eye closed put your hand up just so we can see and then we can uh, we can have someone we'll just meet you afterwards and talk to you or I can come and talk to you and pray with you and help you on the way thank you very much Right, let's just uh, say this prayer after me if you are serious about following Jesus and becoming a Christian and having your sins washed away and living forever. Lord Jesus, please forgive me for my sins and set me free from their consequences. I believe that you are God and I choose to follow you for the rest of my life and not go my own way anymore. Please fill me with the gift of your Holy Spirit to help me live my new life for you from now on. Amen.